Here we go. Now this is either we'll, we'll decide later. This is you're either on the Patreon or this is free on YouTube. Okay. What um, we we left off at LBJ. This so LBJ. Like, so LBJ. Um, first of all, there's an interesting tie-in, a person that ties together JFK, LBJ, and Nixon. Is it my mother's cut? It's your mother's cut. <laughs> is it really? No, it really was. Oh God. Damn. No, there are some parts of history your mother's cunt did not figure into. There's only a few. But the place, the person who's sort of the, that combines these three figures in an interesting way is Jackie, Jackie O. Because, um, first of all, obviously she's connected to JFK because he fucked her. Yeah. But there's great, first of all, and I, I've been to like, Every presidential library, not not everyone. I've yeah. been to a lot, and Nixon's has this really weird artifact. They always have these artifacts, like the the actual written. So there's these notes. It's a letter written by Jackie O to Nixon right after uh, uh, JFK was shot. Like it's one of the first things she did, and it's like on hotel stationery, and it's just in her hand, and it's like many, it's many pieces, like little notepad yeah. pieces. She sat down and wrote a letter to Richard Nixon because the thing with all these families is they all hung out together. So even if they were political enemies, like if if Kennedy and Nixon are debating, uh, Pat Nixon and yeah. and uh, and what and um, what's her name and and Jackie hung out. They were all their families Nixon's traveled together. Pat. What's that? His wife's name was Pat Patricia Nixon. Yeah. Was she cute? I mean, I don't. Would you fuck her? You know, ladies back then. Ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a lady. You know, yeah. the hair. Yeah. It just sucks. Um, He's, you know, the other cool guy has. He was, Jackie. he was, he was desperately in love with her. He's got Pat. Yeah. Yeah. He really loved her very much, Patricia. The thing, the story about her that I love is that Nixon, um, she was a librarian. There's a lot of stories about presidents that have this in their, in their history. He went to the library and there was this beautiful Patricia Young um, yeah. librarian. And he would go in there and talk to her, you know, um, been looking for the, you know, Boswell's history of biography. Of how to live with a huge cock. Yes. <laughs> yes, I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> and one day he went in there and he said, I just came to tell you that someday I'm going to marry you. Oh, man. And uh, Patricia said, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a boyfriend. He goes, okay, who's this boyfriend? She goes, he lives in this town over, you know. And he goes, uh, how, uh, well, how are you getting there? For are you going on a date? And she goes, yeah, I have a date with him tonight. And she goes, well, how, how are you getting there? And she goes, I'm taking a bus. He goes, no, I'll drive. That's unsafe. So he would drive her to her dates. Whoa. And like he would look after her. He's like, you're going to marry me someday. And so he just sort of like was her friend and he looked after her. And then he wore her down. <laughs> Same thing with Truman and Bessie. Bessie, he wrote long letters to that we have now. And in one of the letters, he wrote and said, I want to marry you. Yeah. And she wrote back and said, geez, Harry, I'm just not, don't yeah. love you. I like you that way. And he wrote back and he said, I just want to thank you for not making fun of me when I asked you. So let's please remain friends. And they were friends for years. And, and then, then he started like, killing she was it. Like, you know, and she started looking at herself in the mirror and going, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. And he's, then this dude might be something. So I don't, I don't know what went into it. They were, we were just looking at a guy. One of the, we were, I was watching a thing on presidents before we left. And it's another, it is a theme where they like try to get with a lady 
and they're like, no. And then they're like, I'm just going to be the fucking president. I'm going to be the best guy ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's what happened in, uh, did you, when you saw the movie Vice, it's like yeah. my favorite part of the movie with Cheney. He like, I'm, we'll get to them. Getting a DUI. His wife. Getting like a DUI and getting a yes. fight. He's and a then, fuck up. And then she's like, you're a loser. Yeah. I'm going to leave you. And he's like, I'll become the greatest man of yeah. all time. Well, she made him that. She yeah. made him that. But I'll get it to because I met that lady. So, so, uh, Wait, what was the story of the letter Jackie sent? So Sorry Jackie, to... when John was dead and she still got his blood on her pink dress, she wanted to take it off his nice fucking dress. She's like, I'm not going to wear this for one fucking day. You know? She kept it on. <laughs> and You know the thing that she had his brains in her hand? And yeah. She walked up to somebody in the operating room and said, does anybody, what do, does anybody need this yeah. for anything? It's like an Ikea She had the set. president's brain in her. Yeah. And she was like, like, I found this screw on the ground. Yeah, you we guys. might have missed some. And they're like, oh. <laughs> that, that doesn't. She's like, is that important? They're like, yeah, it's pretty important. <laughs> That's his. And they're like, big. she's like, you want to put it back in? They're like, no, you go ahead and eat it. She <laughs> ate his brain. It's true. It's true. You ever seen the autopsy photos? In the background, you can see her. <laughs> you can see Jackie yeah. stuffing one down. Uh, sweet meats, you know. <laughs> Whatever you call it. So she wrote, um, it just reminds me, and I, this isn't presidential, but this is one of the funniest things Nick DiPaolo ever said to me. I know I, I made fun of him in the last one, so I want to I want to praise him. He's, I love the yeah. guy. It's like my brother. We used to live together. And I, I was telling him about this thing that I had heard about. The thing about Nick DiPaolo is that you say, you tell him about something and he finds the joke. So the thing I told him about was that there's somewhere in Asia, they, they, they love monkey brains. And the best way to enjoy monkey brains is when they're still alive. So what there's these tables with little like skull shaped holes in them. Yeah. And they put the monkey up there and they cut the top of it and you just cut it open and you eat it with oh, a little God. stylish fork. And I said this to Nick and he pretended to be one of those guys. He's like, I'm sending mine back. It's retarded. <laughs> <laughs> like that would make it taste yeah. bad. This one's retarded. I want my money back. Okay, so uh, LBJ. Uh, no, so Jackie Jack's dead, and Jackie writes Nixon. Yeah, and she says, "Listen, we, I know that you're gonna charge ahead and try to be president. Like I, I'm thinking about you right now. With my husband dead, you're the first person I thought of. You and Pat and your family, and I think about what we've all sacrificed of ourselves in order to." achieve these great historical moments and in, in order to be president and i lost my husband to this he this killed him and i don't want this to happen to you you're a good man you've got a good family and i'm it. just saying this is me saying now cool it and take what yeah. you've got and retire and be a family man because it's gonna kill you too yes yeah. she wrote this to him wow great moment wow now there's another thing when LBJ was president. He was very much in love with Jackie. He just loved everyone loved Jackie. Yeah. So LBJ loved Jackie. And there's a tape you can hear of him calling Jackie in the middle from the White House drunk in the middle of the night. You hear you hear her like, hello. And he's like, Jackie, <laughs> Jackie. Uh, God damn it. I love you, Jackie. And, and you hear her go, Mr. President. <laughs> Oh, what a betrayal, so, dude. It's just beautiful. <laughs> it's fuck? just beautiful. Jackie, I don't know what to do anymore. 
Mr. President. And she's like, you know, in a nice nightgown. Anyway. Did you ever watch that Jackie, that movie recently with... I couldn't. Uh, I, as soon as I heard her doing the accent, I'm like, you yeah. don't, it's just too much. See, I never heard Jackie. I don't like biopics. I don't like really? so much. Yeah, not, not usually. I'm trying but to anyway, think. Yeah. LBJ was a... I mean, I told you this story last time after we stopped. But the two stories I, I also read and saw in his um, library, one was that a Mexican woman who lived in his home district in Texas, um, her husband died. Uh, he was killed in World War II, killed in action. And his coffin was sent back to her hometown and nobody would bury it because he's Mexican. Uh, none of the undertakers, none of the, none of the cemeteries would take his body because they're only white people. And so she wrote to LBJ, who was at the time her senator, and she said, is there anything you can do? I can't bury my war hero husband. You know, he's just a regular fucking corporal who got shot, yeah. you know. And uh, so they have this letter and then, then you see his reply. He says, I'm really sorry to inform you that I can't I can't force those people to do something they don't want to do. And it, I know it's not enough, but all I can do is bury your husband in Arlington Cemetery with full honors. So that guy's in Arlington. So that's the kind of guy. That's he, cool. and, and that's a quiet story of his. You know what I mean? This is the, he was a, he was a, a principled guy. He was a fucked up guy. He yeah. was weird. Um, but that's something he did. And, uh, was um, he, I, I asked you this before, yeah. I think, but was he like, cause he got the civil rights thing going, right? Yeah, he did. He, he did passed the civil everything. Rights bill. He used JFK's death to pass everything on civil rights. It was always his intention. He didn't. He was a integrationist guy. He was a guy who wanted an integration. He lived in Texas and he was a Southern Democrat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was pragmatic about it. Was he but a big guy? He was big, right? Yeah, he, I think he was. Yeah, he was stalking. I think of him as big. He was a farm guy. He was a real fucking country yeah. guy. And he did stuff like he had these dogs and he would lift his dogs by the ears and <laughs> oh show the press, God. look at my dogs. <laughs> and everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Don't do that. I guess that's my dog. Dude. Is there anything more unsettling when someone grips their dog up like that? Yeah, like, I've never even heard of, the, of that. Well, just even back grabbing the him neck, by the back one, of the neck. But like, by the ear, he was like a hound and he held him by the ear. <laughs> Look at my dog. Dude, when it's not a puppy and someone grabs it by the back of the neck, oh, yeah. it's like, dude, stop. And also, he used to make a lot of his um, phone calls on the toilet. And he would have meetings on the toilet. Like a lot, He made a lot of big decisions sitting on the toilet. And they'd talk to him, Mr. President, what do you want to do about Korea? And he's like, I don't give a goddamn or whatever, you know. <laughs> and he and so Vietnam and all that stuff. And the thing about LBJ that to me is like an important thing is that he was an empathetic president. In other words, he, he felt when other people felt. OK, this is my problem with some other presidents um, is that they don't have that. They don't actually. He, there is a famous photograph you can find of him where um, one of his I think it was his son-in-law. I think it was Chuck Todd was a, um, who ended up being a senator from Virginia, turned into a real douche later, but um, he sent a tape of, he was a, a lieutenant in the army in Vietnam and lieutenants were just like having to take platoons out yeah. and just get them all massacred. Yeah. So he just sent a reel-to-reel -reel tape to his father-in-law, the president, describing a bloody day in Vietnam and how many guys he lost and how bad it was. And they, there's a photograph of LBJ listening to this tape and he's just got his glasses off and he's just sobbing because yeah. he knows that he's he's, he's in charge of this. Yes. To he some kept extent. it going. He still thought it was right or he couldn't he couldn't undo it. I don't know. I think but it made him feel that's a the lot. conspiracies though. Well, it my I have my uncle 
is a very retired. He's in the 80s, but he was a, uh, um, a commander in the Navy. And he was a CB, an instruction battalion. He was an engineer. And they went to Vietnam early when we were still, it was called, a, yeah. uh, they were just sending advisors. And so he was sent there to build for them. And then, and he got a bunch, he went around to his Navy friends and talked them into going to Vietnam for this venture. It was not a war yet. And then it turned into a, into a war under his feet. And everybody, he, all the fucking guys he brought over there got killed. Mm. And, uh, um, and then he went back, came back to the States and went, had to tell all their, you know, apologize to their families. So like, there's a lot of guys who were like in those command positions was just, you know, they're in a war. Yeah. But so that was, uh, so LBJ, um, ran. So he, he took over for Jack and then he ran in 64. Yeah, I believe he did. And he beat. Who? He's not, these are the guys I never. I don't know who LBJ's vice president was. I think he was. might have lost to Nixon his first. No. No, he ne- he only ran once for president in '64, and technically, yeah, he served from '63 to '69. Yeah, so '64, who did he beat? Who was the Democrat? Who was the Republican nominee? Because Nixon sat it out. Nixon didn't run this time. Goldwater. Goldwater. Barry Goldwater. Barry Goldwater. Okay. So, um, uh, but then when it got to be 68, this is another, he did tough things, LBJ. Like he took, he took it on the chin. I mean, Vietnam and civil rights are two of the biggest. I mean, it's huge, huge conflicts. Yeah. And then he did something that no president has, I don't think, I mean, some presidents maybe have done, but the way he did it was very dramatic, which was that in 68, he just knew he didn't have the confidence of the people anymore. He knew that he had to face, it was a very Nixonian moment. He had to face that he had lost the confidence of the people and that he, he wasn't popular anymore and he was everything was fucked. And so he made this speech where he said, I, 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 uh, um, I will not seek nor will I accept my party's nomination for a second yeah. term as president. Like he made, he declared, I'm not running a second time. That's fucking rare. Yeah. That's rare. Most guys just do it because you're supposed to. When I worked at uh, Conan, at Conan's show early, I was, I was a writer for Conan the first two years. We did one bit that I love. It was my favorite bit we ever did. It was just new inventions. It was just weird inventions. So one of them, and it was just one that I wrote, it was a, a machine that you, it's a big belt that you wear, and then there's a probe in your ass. <laughs> and when you fart, so you're not embarrassed by the smell, I mean, by the sound, Yeah. It pl- instead of your fart, you hear that speech. <laughs> so we had a guy like, there he farts in your ear. I will not seek, <laughs> nor shall I accept. Anyway, so LBJ didn't run again, and um, in 68, and then that's when everything fell apart. Bob, Bobby yeah. ran. And was running away with the nomination. Yeah. And then he got shot in California. Yeah. Replaced by McGovern, who nobody liked. And um, Nixon ran against McGovern. How close to the election did Bobby get shot? Uh, it's a good question. It was California primary. He was there for the to he had been he'd been winning everything. Yeah. Oh, so they were, I mean, it was in the primary. It was in the primary. Yes. Yeah. And um, was the name of the guy who shot him? It was like something. Sirhan Sirhan. Sirhan Sirhan. Yes. And there's a picture, I mean, a famous picture of him laying there. 
and uh, there was, yeah. So w- if you look at the picture, there's a guy holding him. You see that guy holding his head? Yeah. He's a busboy, a just Mexican busboy working in a hotel. And it was in the kitchen. Like he had just yeah, made a just speech the- and he was coming through. Just to back up for a second with Bobby, because Bobby was a, an incredible guy. Bobby had a fluid mind of a crackling brain. Like he was like, John was, uh, you know, moved slow and made politic careful moves. And Bobby was passionate, you know. When my mother, when I, when I first got an iPhone, first time I'd ever like ha- held that thing, I took it to my mother's house and she didn't, my mother was a computer programmer, but this item was like, she's like, it's a phone. And I go, name any image or moment, recorded moment. That's what she went with? What's that? And that's the one she went with? Just no, let me finish. (laughs) I said, name any recorded moment in history. Yeah. And she said, when Martin Luther King was killed, Bobby Kennedy was about to have a rally, give a speech at a rally of all black people, a black audience, like in some city. And he got the news and he had to tell the audience that MLK had been assassinated. And he, off the cuff, said some things about it and gave a speech, which was very moving. And I I just went, you know, fucking RFK, MLK. Yeah. And played it for her. And she oh, was like, she was like, wow. what is happening? Yeah. That's so, awesome. I thought, well, I mean, I was close. That's my guess. I thought, sure. you, I thought your mom was gonna be like, if I could see anything in the world right now, it would be him getting show me killed. him dead on the so ground. So he's so he's show me that mother. <laughs> I'd like to see it with blood on his face. <laughs> so he was shot coming out of the through the they were taking him through the kitchen. Um Sirhan Sirhan shoots him. And this busboy is the one who catches him. It just was in a melee of people. So a guy who had nothing to do with anything, just yeah. like seniors. So he's got, <laughs> he's got oh, Kennedy's no. head in his oh, lap, no. and he looks down at him. And he, only he never spoke about it. Like he wouldn't. Press used to ask him. He just refused to talk about it because he felt the moment was very personal. But he finally, I think, I think I might be dead. But I, I, I saw an interview with him where he said what happened. Which is that Bobby said, um, he just asked him, do you have a rosary? He knew he would because he's fucking Mexican. He said, do you have a rosary? And he did. And they gave him a rosary and he basically took his last rites. Holy he shit. He gave Bobby a shot at a Catholic. It's a little death. Damn. Sirhan Sirhan went to prison. I think he's still alive. I think he's still in prison. So he shows up in a great book. By the guy who invented profiling in the FBI, the guy who invented like you know criminal profile, okay, uh, Richard Kessler, something like that. This guy wrote this book. He was the first guy in the FBI to come up with the idea of of figuring out what, why killers do what they do. They didn't yeah, the, used to wait, do that. The guy for the Mindhunter show. You yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He he invented this thing. Yes. So, uh, and the book is great because it it the book starts with a. A guy who murdered um, a serial killer who killed somebody in San Francisco, like in Sacramento somewhere in some neighborhood, killed a lady, went in her house, killed a lady, and then killed another lady the next day. And so they they flew this guy in who had become famous for this. He took one look at the murder scene. He said, you're looking for a white man in his 40s who has a big beard. He's living in his car that's filled with newspapers and trash from McDonald's. 
And uh, <clears throat> if you don't catch him, he's going to do this every day. And they went and found the guy exactly on that. <laughs> so then when that guy was caught, he did the next part of his job, which is was he interviewed him to yeah. find out because these guys love talking. And he asked him all the questions so they understand these guys better. And he asked the guy, how did you pick your victims? That's a key thing that in, in finding out how they're going to pick the next one. And he said, um, I would just go to any house and if the door was unlocked, I'd kill anybody in there. <laughs> so it wasn't like she looked like my mom. Yeah. And so he said, I'm putting this in the first chapter to just tell you, just lock your, you're going to just lock your doors. Please lock your door. Yeah. Okay. So that's that funny. Guy, it's funny to just ruin the profiling thing. Yes. Now. He's like, oh no, I don't. No, I just, if the door is unlocked. What are you talking about? If you're dumb, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, all that, I know I'm getting away from president. No, the point is that guy, uh, once he learned this thing of like talking to the guys, he realized we have all the most notorious killers in federal prisons. I want to go talk to them. And he couldn't get permission because everyone in the FBI said that's macabre and it's inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he realized, why am I asking? It's just go to a federal prison, show him my, he's like a gold FBI badge. Yeah. So the first guy he talked to was Sirhan Sirhan. Wow. He shows up and he just says, I want to see him. <laughs> And Sir Han, Sir Han comes. He's like, the kitchen like, was unlocked. You? I just, like, yeah, he's yeah, like, the yeah, kitchen yeah, was unlocked. I didn't even yeah. know who the yeah. fuck that guy was. So he didn't ask. I don't know if he asked him that question, but he talked to Sir Han, Sir Han for a couple hours and it was a dead end. He just talked to him. He rambled and he talked about his conspiracy, what he thought was, you know, why he did it. He has a weird story that he thinks yeah. why he did it. And he didn't learn anything. And he thought maybe this isn't a good idea. He was about to give up on the science of this. And then right before Sir Han left, he stopped and he took off his shirt because he works out in prison and he goes, Hey, what do you think of Sirhan now? And he showed his muscles and he went like, Oh, he's fucking vain. He's vain. <laughs> he wants people to look at him. And that unlocked that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So like that, uh, Hannibal Lecter thing, what does he do? This, you know, he kills women. No, nope, that's incidental. <laughs> yeah. What is the point of the guy? So anyway, that's Sirhan Sirhan kill Robert when Kennedy. Did, Sirhan Sirhan's gotta be dead, right? I when was it? That was he 60. still goes out for parole every few years. And they gotta let him out. Oh, that's he's got he's got a couple years, dude. Yeah, he's uh, the best. Is the guy who shot? Oh, well, I guess we'll get to him. Well, Mike Sweeney, comedian, did the best joke ever. He he wrote for Conan for years, but he was a great stand-up. And I'm just gonna I'm, I'm saying his name, so I think I can steal yes. his joke. Mike Sweeney. He used to do a joke about her Sirhan Sirhan at his first parole hearing. He said, I think if Robert Kennedy was alive today, he would say that I should be let go. And he goes, boy, just of all the bad luck, the <laughs> one guy who would have stuck up for him, turns out it's the guy he shot. <laughs> anyway, Sirhan Sirhan kills Robert Kennedy and uh, Democrats go to the fucking convention in Chicago, Richard Daly and the fucking yippies show. And then, then we yeah. had another, another time like this. Far way out left yippies. Uh, making a noise and wanting it to be a riot at the Democratic National yeah, Convention, yeah, yeah. not the Republican. They were like Nixon. It was another time like that that it was like, yeah, we all Nix know Nixon's a dick, but let's fuck with the Democrats. Let's yeah. go after the the liberal side of things. And uh, they were uh, there was gas, uh, uh, you know, yeah, there's horses running fucking over people. Insane. <laughs> yeah, so it was like yeah. the Democrats came across as this fucking chaotic bunch. Yep. They end up with McGovern and nobody gives a fuck. It's just this bad sort of like fucking the Democrats represent chaos and drugs and all this stuff. And they and there was no there wasn't a thing of like, let's get together behind McGovern to beat Nixon. That just was yeah. not going to happen. 
Uh, so Nixon fucking finally, after all those years of his long life in politics, having been vice president for fucking yeah. Eisenhower, having been um, a senator and during the McCarthy hearings, all this stuff, he ends up being president of the United States in 1960. He gets the people he does, the moral majority you know, the people that, or what do you call them? The silent, yeah, silent majority. majority. The silent majority. Still and the guys it. in hair, hair, you know, hard hats who hated hippies. And he counted on that. And uh, it won. And he won. Yeah, it's coming again. We're doing the same thing. Same thing. Exact same thing. Same thing. So then you get to Nixon through four years and he gets to 72. Now I, have a, I have a question. Was the press gay back then like they are now? <laughs> Were they like totally like? Well, it was a different bunch. You got like Dan Rather and fucking, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know. I mean, I'm forgetting all these guys' names. It was never this partisan, though, right? No, because there was there was the CBS News, which was Walter Cronkite, and there was uh, NBC and and ABC. There was that was the news was you chose chose between three dudes. And there was uh, David Brinkley, and they had to meet the press. They had some stuff that they even still have now. Yeah. But it was the only – the press was centralized. There wasn't this sort of like the, – the written press was pretty out there. But the TV news was what everybody was really mm. following. And so everyone watched the same news, and uh, then we argued. So it was different. And, and you never had a sense that the press – to answer your question, no. They really weren't gay – Shane, I don't agree with using <laughs> gay that way. He's even making me sound gay because I'm so upset with him. My God. So, well, like Cronkite. Cronkite was a picture. It's funny to actually be gay when you're being gay. It's the best. Like to be mad about something. Get a I, poster for that. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. Especially this angry gay. Stop it. <laughs> That Shane, is, what's more terrifying? No, that would be if you had two gay dads. There would have been one <laughs> who's like, Shane, just don't make him mad. Shane, what the fuck are you saying to him? <laughs> Shane, it could be the most terrible. That's the most scary getting yelled at by your gay dad. By I knew a gay. Uh, gay I knew a dad. number of gay. I knew a number of gay dads and two moms uh, when I was raising my kids. Mm. A lot of their friends had gay dads, and, and and I saw every. It's the same. As any other stereotype, there are many kinds of heterosexual parents. There are soft-hearted, useless yeah. heterosexual parents. There are distracted, narcissistic, I think I can change my kid's life parents that are heterosexuals. And there's just fucking like, got it, gets it, doing the tough work, heterosexual parents. And it's the same, in my experience, yeah. with gay moms and gay dads. I've known gay dads who are just like hard tack fucking, I'm not, I'm not fucking this up. Yeah. But also I know it's his life that like, I, I've known so many kinds, but they all sound like this. <laughs> but anyway, not really. Kick the ball. Not Kick really, it, Tyler. It's more, Go. Yeah, it's more fun. <laughs> fucking T-ball Well, that's game. what a straight dad sound like. Yeah. But so, um, gay dads are great. Gay dads are great. Every single one of them. Yeah. Um, Walter Cronkite has two great moments that show you what the press was back then. There's the moon landing and there's the and there's Kennedy getting killed. He's in again if you're watching this on YouTube you can see both yeah. of these. So the moon landing is just you they show the fucking footage of Neil touching down which didn't happen it's, they didn't never land on the moon. And then they cut to Cronkite. Oh, was what's his name? It was your that? boy. That was Kubrick, dude. He did the moon landing. Kubrick did the moon yeah. landing. That's why they gave him all the lenses. Yeah. yeah. He used the lenses for uh, Barry Lyndon. 
It's true. <laughs> he, Barry Lyndon is a great movie by Stanley Kubrick, yeah. and it takes place in like the 1600s. And he wanted it to look like that, so he used no electric lights. But he needed lenses that drink a huge amount of light, and he got NASA to give him moon lenses. So he did do the moon landing. Yes, nobody's ever been on the moon. Nobody's ever been on the moon. Hundred percent. You see all the. There's some clues in The Shining. Huh? There's clues that about he the did moon. It. Yeah. yeah, I don't believe this. I think they went to. The moon. Yeah, but we'll uh, see. But <laughs> no, they. I think. I think uh, somebody was trying to argue that in like some Chinese astronomy, they found yeah. there's there, they satellite images of where people landed. Yes. They're like, and, why uh, would we help cover this? By up? the way, they went up like twenty times. It's not yeah. even that big a deal. But, um, but uh, <laughs> so Cronkite. When they landed on the moon, you just cut to him and he's got this big childish grin on his face. He's yeah. just, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, this is a marvelous moment. He just reports, well, and Neil has landed. A man has landed on the moon. He says the facts, but he's got a bit, you can see yeah. the feeling, but he doesn't say it. And then the other moment that is just devastating is when Kennedy dies. He says, uh, uh, he gets the report, he gets it in his hand. And he says, uh, President Kennedy has uh, died. Um, he died at 12 o'clock and he, and he takes off his glasses to look at the clock above him because he's reading to look at the clock above him and says, and that's three o'clock Eastern Standard Time. He just reports that Kennedy has died and reports the time and he looks at his local Jesus. clock and then he puts his glasses back on and he goes, sports. <laughs> and he just swallows. Vice President Lyndon Johnson is to be sworn into. He just and there's this moment between where he's taking in that the president of the United States is dead, which without even thinking about who it was was just horrible. Yeah. And then that, uh, and then that he probably knew him, you know. So, but that was his. He didn't grandstand, you know. You watch the news now, and they're just like, you know, oh, and they're just feeling shit. Yeah, and it's horrible. They are not supposed to, you know, like I, when I worked for Letterman, we, the Yankees were in the World Series and I got caught up, caught up in it. And because I was a New Yorker, I'm a Boston guy, but I just got caught yeah, up it was in fun. it. So I got to, we took Larry Bud Melman, this character that Letterman had to, to the game and interviewed the players. And then I got to be in the press box during the game. And me and a friend of mine who was a writer, we're sitting there uh, watching the game and we're cheering when the Yankees hit. And then we look and everyone's staring at us like, what the fuck are you doing? you don't cheer in the press box. Like it was like, we're all fans of something, but yeah. shut the fuck up. I think that shit's gone. I think that's all really Certainly. Gone. But anyway, so uh, Nixon serves. Also, one more thing about Kennedy. Dude, the yeah. Why go to the moon? It's probably, it's probably my favorite speech. We go, we do things. Why? That, yeah, yeah. We choose to go to the moon, not because it is easy. But, but because it is hard. Because it's hard, yes. Dude. And he also, in one of his speeches about them, he had a great joke. He also, and there he goes, why does Rice play Texas? That gets me every time. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, why are they playing? They get fucking killed every year. That's right. And they're still doing it. Yes. Uh, Kennedy also had a great parable he used to tell. He There's a lot of speeches that are lost because a lot of these guys, they didn't record every speech. But one of his, uh, he liked telling jokes about Irish guys. So did... Uh, Reagan, they had that in common. They both used I like Patty jokes. Yeah. So he tells a story in uh, during his moon uh, mission, when trying to get people, the money and the the country behind the moon, 
and he talks about these three Irish guys walking along the lees of whatever, you know, just crossing the the great green grasses of Ireland. And then they get to a wall, stone wall. And they go, should we climb the wall or should we go turn back and go home? And one of them takes his friend's hat off his head and throws it over the wall and says, I guess we're going. So that was part of Kennedy's. It's not that good. No, but anyway, that's cool. So, uh, and then Nixon's president when they land on the moon. And there's a, in his, in his uh, um, library in Yorba Linda, California, where he was born and raised in his, and the little house that he was born in is there at the library. Um, there's a phone, which is the phone that he talked to the moon on. It's oh, the White House. They took the White House phone. That he made the, you know, it's just a fucking beige yeah. phone with a big white button and a big red hold button. I don't know if he put them on hold, yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, talked to, you know, well, it's just wonderful that you're up You're there. up on the moon. You're up there and Jack is dead. Fuck him. <laughs> and uh, nothing and, could stop me now. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah. So he uh, he was president when that happened. And uh, and so 68 turns into the. 72 and now the country's really fucking changing um everything's in color now the tv's in color everything's you know hippies are starting to get old yeah they're starting to wash out a little yes what's sadder than that two things happened to the hippies first of all they killed a bunch of them they killed a bunch of their leaders um but they also got they they the drugs started to take a bad effect they they went from mind liberating pot to fucking, you know, heroin and cocaine, yeah. which are dark drugs. They became dark, dark Evil high. hippies. Yes. And then some of them uh, grew up and had families and wanted to yeah. be rich. So, and there's very, another thing you can find on YouTube that's great are the debates between Abby Hoffman and uh, Ruben. Uh, fuck. He was um, Jane Fonda's husband. And he was a congressman eventually, but he was one of the one of the Jerry Rubin, I think is okay. He was one of the yippies. He's one of the. Yeah. He was a wicked radical, and he used to be one of those guys. We're not taking his shit anymore. Yeah. And the president come here and kiss my fucking ass. Yeah. And uh, Abby Hoffman had and then the he best. Became a congressman. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Abby Hoffman was even. Abby Hoffman said the N word constantly during speech during uh, speeches because he would just be with a bullhorn and talking about fuck you. And he was like really inappropriate. And he was uh, he was really a lit up nut. Yeah. Abby Hoffman. Um, him and Jerry Rubin were both. They were like the East Coast, West Coast hippies. Later, Jerry Rubin became a huge um, uh, capitalist. He became a yuppie. That's where the term yuppie came from. And the two of them debated. They did. They traveled together to different universities and they would debate their generation's new predicaments of do we keep the fight going of trying to get out of wars and trying to be Democrats and trying to liberate this country. And uh, the other ones were like, we got to grow up and we got to. And, and what Ruben was saying was we need a candidate. We need to win an election. So we need to go to the center. And we need to talk to big business and small business. And we need to talk about being a practical because that's the liberal dream. And this became Clinton. This is where Clinton came from that, from the hippies saying, okay, we're not going to just protest our whole lives and be these losers. Uh, At one point, they had a huge amount of power. Yeah. In uh, Vietnam, they had a lot of power. There's this, they had, they held this vigil around the, uh, 
Lincoln Memorial. And I mean, think of the time because MLK gave this speech there and they fucking shot the guy. And I remember being at the Lincoln Memorial with my kids and saying that this spot, the steps of the Lincoln Memorial is a huge, it's a place you can really understand American history from. Because you look that way, you see Washington. And that was the creation of our country, right? And then you see the Capitol, which was the, the growth of this legislator. But there is Washington, which was the creation of the country and revolution. And then there was uh, uh, Lincoln, who, was, who kept it together as a union, you know, who, who that was the second step. Yeah, we're our own country, but also even if millions die, we need to be a union. Okay, that's what Lincoln did. And then who stood here and made this place even uh, important for a new generation? MLK stood there and there was a sea of people and he and he had to fight for inside of that union that Lincoln preserved that Washington started. He said, we we have to fight for our rights in here. He was the first one to say there's a civil way to fight for to to push for our rights legally and through uh quiet you know through uh, nonviolent resistance so this is a huge place it's firing and, me up dude right this, this, is this country has cool, an incredibly yeah. romantic history and there's another way to look at all of this apparently but this is the way that i was taught yeah. it and i i see it again as a story as a story so but then after after he'd been shot and all that became rubble like that all that yeah. was pushed aside and now that we're in a fucking melee war Nixon's president, it feels like forever. It just feels like next, Nixon's never not going to be president. He was a psychotic. He's taking drugs. <laughs> he's drinking a lot. He's taught, he was so racist. He was like, there's tapes of him saying about, about Italians. He's like, I don't like Italians. They, they, they smell different. He says that on tape. <laughs> and he was right. Well, uh, you know, depends on if they've been cooking. But uh, so Nixon. So the cat, the 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 uh, mall and the uh, memorial is just besieged by uh, strung out hippies, students, and veterans, veterans who came home from the war and hate the war now and have Ron Ron Kovic and all these guys in wheelchairs going, "What the fuck did I do this for? Yeah. This certainly isn't World War II. What are we winning here? When is this war going to end?" And they, it was just a mess. And in the middle of all that. In the middle of the night one night, Nixon got in his limo and drove into the middle of that. He went to the Lincoln Memorial. Do you know this? this no. Is a, there's footage of this, too. He was looking out his window. What are you fucking kids? The yeah. fuck do they know? But it was breaking his heart. Yeah. Because even though he had the hard hats and even though he had the silent majority, just like now, nobody wants the silent majority. People want the cool people to like them. Twitter is like 39 people and 60,000 bots. It's very few people. It's a bunch of kids that are fighting and saying this extremist shit. And the huge, vast amount of the, of the liberal part of this country does, is not into any of that. But nobody's satisfied with just knowing that the average person gets it. And that when you really deal with human beings on a real level, they're going to do the right thing. I believe I have a lot of confidence in human uh, um, and American, you know, just the way we are as people. But these folks that yell and scream, they really get people. 
want yeah. want them to like them. And so Nixon, even though he he was winning by a landslide everywhere, he's looking out that window and he's looking at those kids because it's your kids. It's like yeah. if, if everybody likes you, but your kids think you're a piece of shit, it just eats at you. It just destroys you. And so he got in the limousine like, and he drove into the middle of the protests and he got out and he talked to them. And there's just this footage of him like talking. He's in his stupid suit. And they're like, man, you don't get, you know, man, you're just like, yeah. you're like an imperialist piece of shit, man. And he's like, well, I understand your point, but I mean, is there, do you just think we just give up? I mean, what happened to this country? And they, they talked, they really talked. I don't know what, um, what it did to him, oh, but he yeah. did get us out of that war. You ever see, yeah. Nixon did pull us out of that war. Now he did it in a way that is horrible. Which is that he bombed Cambodia. Cambodia. <laughs> and this is the story that I heard is that he had this very specific strategy, which was he starts bombing Cambodia, which came out of nowhere. It was like, what? And then he let it. Be. But wasn't Cam Cambodia was where they had the, the Ho Chi Minh Trail, right? I don't know. I think it was. I think they knew they could use Cambodia. Like they were using these trails in other countries. Right. I believe, but still, I it was a con country we had no right. Yeah. To, we were not at war with Cambodia. But we were bombing Cambodia as if it would be like if people were escaping to Canada and we we're like, so fuck it. Or, yeah. or if, if Canadians were at war and some of them escaped into the States and whatever the other country was just started bombing fucking yeah. Wisconsin. Like, dude, you can't just do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so many people True. were getting killed. And Nixon, what he did is he let it be leaked that no one could get in touch with him, like that there were his aides were trying to tell him to stop bombing and that he cut off communication. And was that he he wanted them to think he'd gone cuckoo, and that's how they got the Vietnamese to the table and and got a piece. Mm. It wasn't a good piece. They left. Oh, he faked that he was nuts. That's what I heard. Um, that's heard, good. I don't know. Well, that's Reddit, history. That's how you hear history. Google. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but it's another thing about the Vietnam. I feel like like Eisenhower when he left was like the military industrial complex. That yes. was that was Vietnam. Yes, Th that was, and that got us to now. I was like, oh, now we pulled out of Afghanistan. Where are these guys going to get their money? Mm -hmm. Hey, thirty-three billion to Ukraine. Like, well, it's just exactly. Non well, that's it's the other side. You have your like political left that has more power than they do people, right? Yeah. Because they're captivating people's like anxiety. But then on the other right, you have all these people that have that are really they're they're doing fucked up things. Yeah. That uh that also are untouchables. Um, and there are only a few people with just a little bit of interest, a little bit of money, and so they're making all this yeah. crazy stuff happen. I but don't know. jumping ahead. Too. I don't know much about it, but anyway. But so Nixon. Um, but it seems to me if you speak out against it, you get shot in the head or watergated. Yes. Which is kind of what's happened. I could be wrong. Yes. That seems to be the underlying theme. Like he got out of that war and then. I, they I couldn't never, shoot I don't, him in the head. I don't believe in conspiracies, but what I do believe is that there is a shift in the, in the hive mind of America mm -hmm. so that if certain people that get in a position where they're in trouble like Nixon did, the next thing that the next person he goes to is going to be like, nah, man. Like, you don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. Like the story I heard about Caligula. Caligula was a terrible leader who was an absolute leader because everybody behind him had built the emperorship of Rome into a huge thing. You couldn't touch the emperor. It was like a god. Yeah. And Caligula made himself a god. And then a crazy guy took him. He yeah. was insane. Caligula was insane. And um did he have so his horse in the Senate or was that he Nero? made a horse his horse in Senate. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty sick. And uh so uh Caligula, one of the emperors 
duties each day is to give the watchword to the head of the army. And the watchword is like the code word for the whole Roman army for the for the next week or whatever yeah. it is. So he somebody asks him, What do you want to be the code today? And he and it was the head of the army, this guy who was like his bodyguard. And he thought it was funny, so he'd say, give us a kiss. He wanted everybody to have to say, give us a kiss. <laughs> and so that all the Roman guards would have to say to each other, give me a kiss, in order to, uh, in order to like, pass one guard to the next. And it was that guy that killed him. Yeah, that guard. It was that guard who was just like, <laughs> just, fucking, fucking, he fucking sh- shivved him just, like you know fucking just, American meat. <laughs> yeah. um, it is funny when those guys do get killed. Yeah. Anytime a dictator gets killed, I mean, it's sad. It's always sad to watch. Like Gaddafi was sad. It was really sad. Gaddafi, no, Gaddafi was sad. Yeah, he's just bleh, with the blood. Yeah. And, Saddam and was Saddam is hanging. Screaming. Some guys are ha- screaming. He looks at one of them and he goes, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Dude. You see him coming and he's grumpy. Yeah. He's like, this is such bullshit. <laughs> he's not like, oh, that's what the, everyone's fantasy is. He's like, oh, I wish I had. Yeah. But he just comes in and some guy screams everyone's, and, he, and he goes, shut up. Just and a room of dudes yelling. <laughs> Kick the bench away, and he hung. He must have been so pissed on 9-11. Yeah. He probably was watching TV just like, oh, You guys. Fuck, that's going to be with me. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Nixon. I don't know shit about Ford or Carter. Okay, so so Nixon uh, resigns. I will resign oh, yeah. the presidency. So wait, I don't even understand Watergate. So Watergate was, uh, it started as a very simple thing, which was there's some guys uh, that were, Nixon had a uh, committee, uh, the committee to reelect uh, the president, which is CREEP. That was, CREEP was literally their acronym. So CREEP sent um, some burglars to the Democratic uh, National Committee's office, which was in Watergate Hotel. Watergate Hotel is in like a complex yeah. of office buildings. And um, they stole some papers from there. And um, this kind of shit was happening a lot. But Nixon had Nixon was on drugs, paranoid, had a list of enemies. He just went. He his thing came apart. Is really what happened. Yeah. He, he these guys uh, took the um, took some papers. It wasn't a big deal, but he immediately tried to control it because he was so he was like we're quashing this, we're killing this, right? Yeah. And uh, somebody said, well, we got this guy. He if he talks, we're all fucked. And Nixon says, what does he want? And they have them on tape. Somebody says, he, he'll do it for a million dollars. And he says, can, they, can we get the million? And, and it's Nixon saying that was like the smoking gun. It was like, we'll give him the million if he wants it. If you're president, you can't say that out loud. Yeah. It's crazy. But he had too much. Could he, he wasn't delegating enough. And so one by one, they, the, 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 the investigative reporters at the time were really diligent. And they turned against a lot of pressure. Um, they turned wit- guy after guy after guy down until finally they got the guys close to him and and uh, and he didn't have he knew is the that, guy they were going to pay is that deep throat yes that's the well no that no no no, no. Is that just deep throat is a guy who was in the system who just knew who saw everything that was going on okay. and was leaking it it's just one of the dumb burglars one of the guys and there was this guy G Gordon Liddy involved who was a weird CIA guy who used yeah. to put his finger over a candle and burn it and <laughs> fucking like, psycho. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> like Liddy was a, is a great guy to look up. G. Gordon Liddy. So Nixon um, knew that if they impeached him, he, they had the votes. The, it's it, that, That's another yeah, yeah, time yeah. where things were... 
I want to go back because there's a guy I remember now. Um, which is uh, uh, one of my city, not countrymen, but citymen from Boston is, uh, is Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill was the Speaker of the House yeah. for many, many years. And he was Speaker, I think, during Kennedy. I mean, Nixon, but he was during Kennedy. So he was a Boston um, politician, and so was Kennedy. And um, there was, a, I was just going to tell you this one story about Tip O'Neill. No. So, so Tip was uh, worked with Kennedy um, in Boston for years, and there was some shifty guy named like you know Patty o, Patty O'Brien <laughs> yeah, or something, yeah. some shifty Irishman who would every time they had like a big uh you know banquet or something he'd always get get in there and he'd be like hey how you doing tip and he's like how does Pat, patty o'brien get in everything and uh he was at kennedy's inaugural tip and he was speaker of the house so he was really close to the front yeah but patty o'brien was like had better seats than him and he saw kennedy walking up to take his speech and patty like threw his hand up for it and he saw Kennedy look at him. <laughs> and, and like a year later, he was watching. It was at some big event for Kennedy. And they were showing footage from him and not getting the, taking the oath of office. And he asked Kennedy, what were you thinking when you were becoming the president? And he said, I got to be honest with you. I was thinking, how the hell did Patty O'Brien <laughs> get those seats? That's awesome. Tip O'Neill wrote a book called Man of the House. That's fucking so entertaining because it covers all these guys that he served with. Okay. Nixon. So he's he's, he's out. Gerald Ford is a really weird president. Yeah. Because he didn't um uh want to be president. He was ever. just Nixon's vice president. He wasn't even just Nixon's vice president. He was the Senate majority leader. Oh. He was just a senator Wait, from Michigan with was, no interest in being a fucking who was president. Nixon's VP? Spiral Agnew. And he got asked. He got him? thrown out because he was a fucking crook. <laughs> yeah, he was with him. They got rid of Agnew and they're like, just get for, uh, Ford. I think they just, Ford just filled in. He had no, he was like, what? I'm vice president. I don't want to be fucking that vice came president. came out of nowhere too. And yes, out of nowhere, suddenly he's vice president. And now suddenly he's the fucking president. <laughs> yeah. So now he's the president of the fucking Republican Party, uh, 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 and 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 Nixon. This is just a massive trauma um, to the country. And I remember it. I remember Nixon and Watergate was like a huge part of my youth. Now, when I grew up, when I was a kid, I lived in Mexico, and uh, from when I was, I know, I know, I know. Like I'm aware that that's like not Pennsylvania cool. crushes Mexico. Yes. You guys are dying to get to PA, dude. Yes. <laughs> we occasionally go down there. Yes. And get sunburned. That's right. All right. So you're down in Mexico. I'm in Mexico. Um, <laughs> and uh, I moved. We I was a, a baby when my parents moved to Mexico. My dad's Mexican. And then my parents, when I was about seven, moved back, moved to Boston, outside of Boston. And I remember coming to America. I remember living. I my first memories were in Mexico in the seventies. So you, you think Mexico is bad now? In the seventies was like my mom only made carnation milk with powder because the milk was always rotten because there was no refrigeration was just not yeah. good. It was a, you know it was a hot place. It was also beautiful. My memories are very beautiful from Mexico and still are. It's a wonderful country. Yeah, of course. Um, 
which is and and the thing is they work really hard there but their government is crazy corrupt and always has been like mexico could be japan with different organizations yeah. like that's how hard they work and for how many hours but so i lived in mexico when i was a kid and then we moved to america and coming to america which was like this shiny country full of cheerful people where all the floors are straight like it's right angles air conditioning and just a cleanness and an uh, um and an honesty and the idea that, that when they told me about like the president like that it's a democracy mexico was a democracy but everybody knew yeah. it was corrupt and i got obsessed with the idea of the president of the united states that's where it became a thing to me and the president at the time was nixon and um i cut a picture out of him uh, of him out of the paper and I put it, taped it up next to Nixon? my bed. Yes, I loved Richard Damn, Nixon. When I was a Nixon. little kid, I was so about Richard Nixon. And I wrote a letter to my abuelita, my grandmother. Yeah. And I sent her a picture of Nixon and said, this is the president of the United States. He's the greatest, He's man, greatest man. man in the country. He's so cool. He's the best man. I didn't know a single thing about <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah. And he had this serious face. And I had a dream. It's the first dream I remember. I don't know if you remember dreams from when you were a kid at all. Yeah. You ever had a dream that you still remember? I'm not sure that I do. So I remember one dream I was in, um, I, the, my bedroom was in the front of our house. So you looked out at the front of our house and it, I was uh, asleep and it was m like a Sunday morning and I heard a band, like a marching band. And I looked outside and it was Nixon, <laughs> like walking up my street, just no, no spectators. Yeah. Just him walking up with followed by a marching man. Boom, 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 boom. And I came out on the front yard. I, we had this walkway and he got down on one knee and he said, Louie. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran into his arms. What the fuck? <laughs> Damn, you love Nick. <laughs> I loved him so much. <laughs> Damn. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I've never you, told anybody that. You know that? I've you? never told anybody that in my life. And so, <laughs> Louis, <laughs> Louis, oh, like, senor. oh, and it's funny. There's the only senor. the idea of his joy because Nixon was such a miserable man <laughs> that his joyful side was very rare. There's only one time I've ever seen it on film. And it's when he's playing piano. He's in a tuxedo. And I think he's at his daughter's wedding. And he was a concert pianist. He was very good. And he's playing piano. And he plays some big crescendo. And he's got this big dumb <laughs> grin on his face. And I think maybe I had seen that. Because that's the only... That grin, every time I see it, I'm in that dream. So... But my parents saw that I had these pictures of him next to my bed. And they were like, he's not... A good he's not that great. <laughs> he's not because Wargate was happening. Yeah. And every night my parents were sitting in front of the TV, this little fucking color TV, watching Watergate, watching the hearings. And it was like shh. And, and you're like, how's serious. it going? Yeah, I'm like, like how's, how's my, my, how's my how's boy he, going? How's he doing? Yeah. And I'm like, fucking Ed Muskie, fuck you. And they're like, he's crying. He's on yeah. TV crying. Yes. You're like, shh. Yeah, and then I watched, I remember watching live. There's the two things I remember that were like national events. I remember Walter Cronkite saying that America and Russia had just done something called Apollo Soyuz. There was, we had Apollo spacecraft going around and they had Soyuz capsules. And one night they met, like they saw each other. It was an accident. <laughs> and they thought, what if we could duck? 
So they went home and they started this project, Let's Dock. This is back in the 70s, in the middle yeah. of the Cold War. So they built a, a dock and they had, to, they had to do it together, yeah. the Russian and the American space program. And then they went up in two separate rockets, found each other in the middle of space and docked and then went, drank vodka and shook hands Jesus and hung out. Christ. And Walter Cronkite told me on I was the only one up watching TV, and he said, if, if, uh, the Polisoyuz capsules are flying over North America, and if it's clear where you are in the Northeast, if you look up, you might see them passing overhead. And I went outside and I laid on, my, uh, on the grass for hours, and I saw, he said it would be a red light and a white light uh, blinking together. And uh, you I see saw it? it. Saw it. Oh man! So that and watching Nixon resign. How pumped for you? I would the, the policy use thing. I mean, still, yeah. it lives for me. <laughs> and Nixon's resignation was just like a depressing, uh, destroying, sad, fucked up thing. It was just like, what now? Like he was the there was like an unbroken chain. Yeah, from George Washington to him. Like, if you go back, like, LBJ notwithstanding, and everyone was proud of what he did with civil rights or whatever, there was an unbroken chain. Even if you're fucking Democrat, Republican, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Whig Democrat or whatever, Whig Republican, all of those, it was still the U.S. president. And then this guy fucking dropped the motherfucking ball. It's crazy. In disgrace, he left the office and left a mess of just like, it, this is all bullshit now. This yeah. is just all fucking crooked bullshit. What is the point? And the economy was tanking. And then here's Gerald Ford, who was just a kind of like oval-headed, simple dude. Didn't um, He made little moves. He handled it perfectly. I mean, he did one yeah. thing that was extremely, extremely unpopular and fucked up, which is that he pardoned Richard Nixon. It was the first thing he did. Everyone wanted to go after Nixon and keep investigating and catch him and, and send him to jail. He could have gone to prison for what he did and uh ford knew that if he pardoned him he would never win an election there was no way he was going to be reelected. yeah because everyone would just say well you're you guys are just fucking dirty you're just pardoning each other yeah. but he knew it was the right thing to do we needed to get there he says oh, he said our national nightmare needs to end and he ended it he dead ended the investigations he said nixon you know and then there's these this i remember uh, <laughs> uh steve martin who was the comedian then he was my first favorite comedian and cosby really was crosby was first as a kid i listened to cosby yeah. records constantly but steve martin was the first person that made me think i could be a comedian because he was so weird but he did a bit where during that time, because they they shot they show these footage of Nixon on the on the beach in California after he went home, and <laughs> Steve Martin says, uh, "I feel bad for Nixon." He goes, "I know you're not supposed to because he did wrong, <laughs> but every time I see him on the beach with his big old shorts on." <laughs> And his metal detector. <laughs> and he just drew <laughs> yeah, yeah. a picture of Nixon just alone <laughs> on the beach. And, uh, you know, Nixon stayed in the, in the he, he did these interviews with David Frost, the Frost-Nixon interviews. And he opened up about himself a lot. And he stayed available to every president after him, would call on him. He was a great resource. Fascinating guy. And when Patricia died, he you saw him at her funeral just crying his eyes out. 
Um, very human guy, Nixon. Very yeah. human. Showed his feelings. And he wasn't cool and he wasn't hip and he wasn't like, you know, I feel your pain, yeah. Clinton. He just was an open sore. And I think he that's he gave that. And I said that in the last night. Yeah. But so, yeah, Ford pardoned him. And then Squeaky Fromm tried to kill him. She shot at him. Did you know that he took a, a, a woman named Squeaky Frome? I've never. That's the first time I'm hearing Squeaky this. Squeaky Frome name. was in the Manson family. Squeaky from you know, the Manson yeah, yeah, family. Yeah. You know who that yes. is, right? Yes. Charles Manson. She was one of his Manson. You know, she was one of the ladies. Uh, for the, yeah. Like uh, the women who killed and men who killed. Uh, yeah. What's, uh, you know, um, Roman Plansky's wife, wife and unborn child. Um. Squeaky from found a way to get to him and she took a shot at him with a rifle. And there was one guy, some cop who um, hit the rifle away, saved his life. And that guy was gay. Just a piece of news. Nice. And I always combine that guy in my head to the guy <laughs> on the plane, uh, Flight 93. It was a gay rugby player. It was one of the guys was who said, let's, let, roll guys? Let's, let's roll. Yeah. Okay. So... Gay, but that got gay shot people down. are all heroes. Gay dads are the best. Flight ninety three got shot down. What's that? Flight ninety three got blown up with a missile. No, I, I know, I know. Yeah, it was the missile that that it went on after and it hit the moon. It <laughs> kept going through it. It hit the plane. So uh, Ford Carter. So Ford runs uh, with Bob Dole as the yeah vice. I only president. know Bob Dole just Norm Macdonald. That's so it. Bob, Bob Dole, Dole. That's it. There's a great documentary about presidential debates. It's one of the best documents. It's like a PBS documentary about presidential debates. And they got to, they talked to a lot of the guys, the real guys. It's like PBS or something. Bob Dole debated Walter Mondale, who was uh, Jimmy Carter's guy, his vice president. And they asked Mondale about this moment. They're talking about um, war and military. And, and D Bob Dole said, well, the Democrats, are, they love war. It was uh, World War II. That was a Democrat war. <laughs> and he said that. And then they cut to Mondale going like this. And he yeah, said, that was and awesome. then they cut to Mondale in the, in the, in the documentary. Six o'clock. Is that real? The country, yeah. <laughs> you got to know it's six o'clock. Is it The Purge? What is this? They blare this. At... <laughs> so I was like, this is terrifying. <laughs> um, We're not coming back to the woods. Uh, I drank too much coffee. So Walter Mondale and Norm Macdonald are having the debate. So in the in he's debating not uh, Norm Macdonald, and. Uh, Dole says, this is a, World War II, that was a Democrat war. And Mondale um, says in the documentary, I knew we were going to win. The, that was it. That was that was the moment that won the, the election. So that's apparently. It used happened. to be like that. It used to be one gaffe. Was, yes. That was it. Like right. fucking, wasn't it quail? Couldn't spell something. Yes. But uh, Dean. Uh, Dean. Oh. Dean. Ah, bye. Meanwhile. Hart uh, with a, kid, a woman on his knee no, what was on a that? yacht. What was that? Gary Hart was supposed <laughs> to be the president of the United States. Yeah. He was a Kennedy-like, beautiful-looking guy. He was a Democrat from, I don't remember what state Gary Hart was from, but he was beloved. And then they found a picture of him on a yacht in Bimini with a girl on his knee that wasn't his wife. 
See ya. That was the end of him. Um, but so, and Bob Dole, by the way, was a war hero. Yeah. He was in just in some horrible hill in Europe. And he was one of those guys where when a medic found him, he just took some of his blood and put an M on his forehead, yeah. which means morphine. And all that is is to tell anybody coming by. Drug him, he's dead. Just give him more morphine. Yeah. He's not going to make yeah. it. I don't have any on me. <laughs> so, yeah. And then they sent Bob Dole home to uh, to Kansas. And his father, <laughs> get up, Rosie, get up there. Get up there. Get up there. His father owned a drugstore. And they would just take him to the drugstore. And he was just like this. And they'd just lean him against the, and just let him sit in the corner. And nobody thought he could hear because he looked so fucked up. And uh, some neighbor <laughs> pointed right at him. Some neighbor sitting at the counter, sitting at the uh, ice cream counter, the yeah. drugstore, pointed at Dole and said to his friend, um, I would kill myself if that was me. Oh, no. And Dole heard this. And it was the most pitiful moment in his life. And it was the moment that turned, it, turned him around. <clears throat> because he realized, I got I to gotta start working out. Like, I got to get I can't. Yeah. I'm so close. Somebody just said that if they were me, they would kill themselves. Yeah. And he thought, he felt so sorry for himself. But the next thought was, it's time for me to start. And he became fucking almost twice became yeah. president. Um, I met Dole. I've met some weird people. I met him. I was a writer at Conan. And Dole was a guest. And I remember thinking at the time, fuck Bob Dole. He's the one guy I wouldn't, I would be rude to him. You know, like you fantasize. Yeah. I wouldn't even be nice to that guy. I would be rude to that guy if I met him. And I was standing in the, where the, outside the studio and the elevator's open and out comes Bob Dole with no entourage. Like the yeah. picture he was, he was at the time, he was like the fucking uh, Senate majority leader and he came out alone. Hold, he held a pen in his right hand always because his right hand was um, was uh, crippled. And that's why he would shake with his left. Yeah, because he didn't want you to reach for his right and he didn't want you to be embarrassed. So he held a pen there so that, and you'd see it. So that's that thoughtful. You'd, so you'd ask for his left hand. Yes. Isn't that the worst when you shake someone's hand? They have like and they one go, sorry, finger. In World War II. <laughs> so you go, well, now I feel yeah. gross. Yeah. <laughs> So he walks out of the elevator and I'm standing there and he just walks right up to me and he goes, hey, I'm, I'm Bob Dole. And I go, yeah, you don't have to. There's a producer. I'll get a producer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll help I'm you. Not, I'll help you. Uh, you don't, don't stop at <laughs> me. Like I'm telling him to just keep walking. Yeah. And he goes, well, what's your name? My name's Louis. He goes, what are you, what are you doing? I go, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a comedy writer. He goes, that's hard. Boy, that's hard. That's a hard job trying to be funny. That's a damn hard job. How'd you come? How'd you come to that? How'd you come to that? And I go, well, stand up comedy. And, oh, that guy. That's boy. That's even harder. Yeah, comedy. I gotta really respect you. He just stood there and talked to me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I said, where are you coming from? He goes, well, I, I just had to give a speech at this thing, and uh, um, you know, luckily, um, I'm in. I went got to go early because I'm in the D's because my name Dole. You know what I mean? Just made a few yeah, yeah, cheap yeah. jokes, and he let the fucking conversation have an arc, and then he went like. Uh, will you tell me who, who I should speak to? Like he did the whole, and I, I he wa I introduced him to the producer, and I was like, I love Bob Dole. <laughs> yeah. I love Bob Dole. He's my favorite yeah. guy in the world. All right. Uh, Carter wins, and Carter was this the first truly liberal president. Like he was such a liberally minded president. Jack Kennedy had liberal politics. 
but he was also about being the first Catholic, you know, first Irish Catholic president in the United States. And he was about the, his dad bought him the election, just bought yeah. it with a suitcase of money. And he was a powerful fucking guy from a, from a, from a legacy of, 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 uh, smugglers. Yep. And, um, uh, but ja uh, Jimmy Carter was a farmer, a peanut farmer from Georgia who rose to be governor of Georgia because he was a conscientious guy and he got involved in local politics and he made his way up. He was like a, he was like John Adams. He was just a guy who, who saw problems, saw ways to solve them. And he was really about helping people. He was really about, uh, um, uh, that was his heart I'm saying. Right. And, uh, and his brother, Billy. So the saddest thing in the world is Billy Carter, because Billy was a joke in America when I was a kid. He was a, just a fun. They had Billy Beer was a. They had a brand of beer named after him, and he died alcohol poisoning. Jesus, he was just a known drunk <laughs> a beer for. Him. Yes, he was a, just a known drunk yeah. idiot that everybody made fun of. And I saw one interview with Jimmy where he talked about Billy, and he was very bitter about it. He said Billy was a very wise, um, smart, and gentle soul who never drank his whole life. He just wasn't a drinker. And when I became president, it killed him. Mm. Because people went down, they got interested in who's the president. Yeah, they started interviewing him and shit. Started interviewing yeah. him, and he was why he had these little country wisdom, and people liked it. So they started printing his things. But then, yeah, they and then turned he on. started going on. He started going on speaking tours, and he gets starts getting used by people. I could use Billy Carter, and he's doing speeches, and he's on the road, and he starts drinking because that's the lifestyle, and it actually helps you get through it. And he became an alcoholic. And he says, I mean, in, in Jimmy, Jimmy said in this interview, like, they kill my brother, these people. They yeah. kill my brother. Um, Can't do the road without boots. No, it's hard. But yeah. you, sh you need to learn nah, how to do nah, it. Nah, nah, you nah. You're going to die. I'd out. like to be well, How Billy. old was Billy Carter when he died? How old was Billy Carter when he died? Fucking jinx me. Well, get, let me know when they, not jinx you. Warn you. There's a fucking difference. <laughs> fucking idiot. Jinx. Yeah, jinx me. It's like you go to a doctor. He's like, you're going to get pancreatic cancer if you don't change your diet and you're like what are you jinxing me that's a bit of a jinx no, that's, that's, that's a jinx no it's not it's a fucking useful I warning like, I, i've never even heard of pancreatic cancer you just brought that into bill my hicks world. died of pancreatic cancer <laughs> billy carter was 51 when he died okay how old are you 34 you've got how many years between will you do the math look up the math on you on, on google <laughs> google what's the how much is 51 minus 17 you got 17 years left unless you stop drinking on the road 17 that's pretty years good left. Okay, if that's how many you want. I'm 54. You die younger than me. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy Carter. Everybody always says Here's he how sucked. liberal Jimmy Carter Everybody was. said he sucked. What? Everybody says Jimmy Carter sucked. Yeah, that's sucked. the way they talk about folks. It's just a stamp. Yeah. Jimmy Carter did a few really he courageous things. He put solar things. panels okay, on the White Okay, first of all, they had the fucking... Okay, so there was... Uh, um, in San Francisco, Harvey Milk was uh, running for uh, uh, um, mayor and, or for whatever. And they had this thing, Prop 2 or something. It was this anti-gay bill in California. And it was a huge, like, hot button fucking, like, stay away from it kind of thing. And it was like, whatever it was, like, yes, uh, no one too meant, um, you know, stop this gay, yeah. anti-gay thing. And there's this great footage of Jimmy Carter at a rally. And he gives a speech and then he goes off and then someone gets to him because he, he went, whoa, 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 no on two. You got to go no on two. Like he came out heavy for gay rights, which was big back then. Yeah. 
So he's president. I mean, they were like Hillary was voting against it in yes. 2013. That's right. Obama till fucking yeah, like to like the last second. Yes. Or it was either 11. No, Obama or was like, I don't think two men. And then they passed the thing. He was like, oh, no, I, 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 I like it. My daughter said it's okay. Like, uh, I don't want those fruits getting married. Yeah. <laughs> so Jimmy Carter, way ahead of the game. A great thing about Jimmy Carter is that he, I'd always heard this. That there's two weird things about him. One is that he caught a fucking foul, a fly ball at a game, which is really rare. Yeah. You're the a president. He, it was <laughs> at the time he was a, a former president. The odds of a former president catching a fucking, it's insane. Yeah. There's something weird about Jimmy Carter because also I always heard this thing that he saw a UFO and that he'll tell you if you ask him, but he doesn't like to talk about it, but he yeah. will tell you. And so there's this movie out now called Phenomenon, not the not the John Travolta thing. It's a documentary about UFOs, and I don't know how real it is. Yeah, it's just it's all kinds of stories. It comes across really real. So did Close Encounters. I mean, I don't know. You know, you cinema can create a lot of illusions. So I don't know, but it was compelling. But the most compelling thing, because it's you talk to a guy, he said what he said, right? Yeah. So in the extras, not in the movie, but if you watch the extras, I don't know why this is in the movie, but there's some kid in a wheelchair, like, you know, blowing on a one of those guys like this. And how, and you have to listen, wait while he goes, Mr. President, can I ask you a question? One of those guys went to a book signing of Jimmy Carter. And you see Jimmy, this is footage, Jimmy's signing books, and then they bring over a wheelchair guy, and he says, can I ask you a question? And he wasn't taking questions, but he's like, sure, because he's in yeah. a wheelchair, which means he's a saint. Only only really great people <laughs> are in wheelchairs. There's no assholes in wheelchairs. Yeah. It doesn't exist. So he asks Jimmy Carter, is it true that you saw a UFO? And Jimmy Carter goes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And... He asks him, what was it like? And he said, it was, uh, it's exactly how they're described. Yeah. It's like, it was a strange pill shaped thing. It was floating, it not making any sound. And then it just vanished. It just took off. And he said, did you tell when you became president, did you tell them the state department? And he said, yeah. And they said, just don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't even worry about it, dude. Yes. Jimmy Carter also put on a sweater and he made a speech where he said, yes, we have an oil crisis, but please just wear a sweater, turn the heat down. He's like, we got we to change the way we live. People don't like to be told that in America. No. He's like, we got to change the way we live. There's less oil. And we're having to blow up countries in the Middle East because of the oil. It's a problem. It's just, it's, it was the first energy crisis and there was gas lines around the block. There was, people couldn't get a, a fucking yeah. tank of gas. It's not America's... You piss off Americans? Yeah. It's not America's fault. I mean, that's a tale as old as time. When a world leader's like, even they're doing it now with the inflation, they're like, yeah, yeah, just uh, don't eat as much. It's like you guys are eating. Girls, I agree with that. That's I the part. Know. That's the hard part. It's like Can you, you fuckers, window, just crank the handle. It's yes, like I let, agree let, with let that. them eat cake. It's the they're, same thing. People aren't going to start moving slower. You're not going to take the human race and say everybody just. Yeah, especially all of us. All of you us. have to do it. If the Listen, world China, leaders, yeah, India. I know you're trying to like get out of like poverty. I know you're trying to like turn on air conditioning so you don't get malaria yeah. every five minutes. But just a little, yeah. Just put a little, little. So it's not. It's just inevitable. I think the problem is that you got you got your nerds. This is American history. Nerds and cowboys. Nerds figure shit out. 
Cowboys make shit happen. But there's a divide now. Climate denial goes two ways. The Cowboys are pretending the shit's not changing, and of course it's changing. <laughs> and the nerds are pretending that folks can just, that, that, it's, that it's a morality. It's like, we can just all just quiet down, turn the lights off. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. If they all came to the table and said, yes, this is happening, but we're not going to slow down, then the Cowboys would fix the fucking, they'd put, there'd be a big vacuum cleaner going. Yeah, you know, people something. are talking about terraforming Mars. Do that here. I have, I'm talking straight out of my ass. No, but I have no idea what I'm talking about here. Uh, I have no idea. My buddy, Steve Gerby. Uninformed opinion. Gerby's always talks about it where he's like, I mean, it's not his opinion. He's just the first guy that brought it to me. Is like, we need to burn the resources we have now to figure out how to fucking stop it. Like we have, we can't turn it down now. Right. It's too late. We need to work. Well, like to find I read a fucking, great interview with the guy in the Wall Street probably Journal. Probably that up for Gerby's my best. No, the guy and this guy in the Wall Street Journal. He's a um, he's a, a, a Pennsylvania guy who uh, is a big natural gas guy. Him and his brother started buying natural gas, and they they're like the biggest guys. And he's a big proponent for it as an environmentalist. He says it yeah. burns way cleaner, and it's it's the road to these next things. Yeah. He says you can't every time that you regulate against natural gas, you make people burn coal. The other thing is, do you know what the number? The last time I looked, the number four polluting industry in the whole world, number four, Bitcoin. No, Bitcoin's big. Farming isn't farming number one. No, number number four is. Uh, the energy, the, the fucking um, carbon from creating um, solar panels. Oh, no. Because the Chinese do it very cheaply. Here to make a solar panel, like the wafer, takes a huge amount of energy. And because of the regulations here, we make them very slowly and carefully, making sure everybody's okay. And it takes a long time and it's very expensive. But the Chinese just use coal and pour <laughs> it and make these things. They're super cheap and then we buy them. And we're buying so many of them because of the because of Obama's policy that it's uh, through the yeah, roof. Just, just, yeah, it's killing the environment to make solar panels. It's a, you know, look, Elon Musk he makes electric cars. So you know how cap and trade works. So cap and trade means that if you're an auto manufacturer, you have I'm making up numbers, but let's say you can put out 75 million tons of car. You can make cars that will create 75 million tons of carbon that's the cap okay now if you manage to make if you manage to actually get under 75 and you only put out 50 tons you can sell 25 tons to another car manufacturer okay so a car manufacturer that's making 75 tons can actually make a hundred because he bought your that way you just know that there's three manufacturers they're putting out 75 each and that's tolerable and so the way to keep them on there it's an incentive you yeah. only put out 25 tons. Congratulations. You can sell that to GM and they can put out. So Elon Musk's cars have none. They put out zero tons and they sell 100% of their to. The, so they actually are making other. They're helping more carbon go into the yeah. atmosphere. And that's how they turn a profit. That's their biggest profit point. I have no idea what I'm talking about. That's all right. I have no idea. Fuck it. It's interesting.